Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, that they cannot hearken. Now in this verse 10, we have the anguish of a gospel preacher whose words are ignored. So few of Jeremiah's countrymen are willing to heed his solemn warnings. Is there anyone left, he says, who will listen? To whom shall I speak and give warning? Jeremiah is ministering to Judah in the years prior to the Babylonian captivity. This was a period of great national departure from God. When the nation's unique spiritual inheritance was being ignored. God's commandments were being openly flouted and many were following the false gods of the surrounding nations. Despite all this rebellion, the people deceived themselves into thinking that they were still enjoying God's protection. They felt, we are the people of God, so we will automatically obtain his protection. This shows us how possible it is to be outwardly religious, whilst at the same time, by denying, by one's lifestyle and beliefs, the true faith. And so these people, in Jeremiah's day, were still claiming to believe in God. But all their actions and attitudes <coughs> said otherwise. And so we are told in this verse 10, Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Now this is a description of a nation. There is a nationwide rejection of the word of God. There are many parallels between Judah in Jeremiah's time and our own land today. Judah had been privileged to have received the fullest possible revelation of God's purposes. Likewise, our own land has known a wonderful exposure to gospel truth, especially since the time of the Protestant Reformation. Yet, today, there is a general ignorance of the Scriptures, and many are offended at any clear declaration of biblical truth. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. 
Many hate any suggestion that God will judge their sin. Many are shocked at the idea in modern Britain that there is an almighty God who controls the elements, who determines what the climate will do, and who judges nations. Many become very angry if one dares to question the secularist creed of feminism or its close ally, the abortion industry. The general attitude in our nation is that no one should any longer hold such crude and primitive beliefs as Bible-believing Christians do. Because after all, people today are so enlightened. For a long time now in our land, the word of God has been a cause of offence to many. People are actually ashamed of the word of God. Even churches are ashamed of the word of God. Now, much of this decline can be traced back to the 19th century. By the second half of that century, the biblical faith was being seriously undermined by two major philosophical movements. The first was the teachings of Charles Darwin. Darwin attacked the Genesis account of man's origins around 6,000 years ago. The whole notion of a direct act of God in creating this earth and the animals and mankind uh, was being sidelined. Evolutionary theory created doubt in men's minds about the trustworthiness and infallible inspiration of the Bible. And an intimidated church, in response to this, tried desperately to harmonise evolution and the Bible. Such a harmonisation, however, is impossible because the whole of Scripture assumes Adam to be an historical person and a six-day creation to be an historical fact. The second great undermining of the authority of the Bible in the 19th century came from a theological movement known as higher criticism. This emanated from the universities of Germany. This movement rejected the doctrine of the Bible's verbal inspiration, even though our Lord and the Apostles clearly taught such inspiration. 
the higher critics argued, and still do argue, that scripture cannot be regarded as God's authoritative word, but it must rather be approached as any other fallible historical document. Yes, it may contain some valuable truths in places, but it is up to the skill of the scholars to work out what should be adhered to and what should not. The higher criticism movement has managed to exert an enormous influence across countless churches. And with it has come what we call theological liberalism, which argues that doctrine evolves and adjusts with the times. As a result, the 20th century and the first two decades of the 21st century have witnessed continual submission by churches to the philosophical fashions of an unbelieving society. Today, our nation is utterly given over to the creed and the religion of cultural Marxism, otherwise known as political correctness. Politicians of all the main parties embrace this Christ-rejecting philosophy because it makes them look progressive. This philosophy includes a compulsory belief in the aims of the LGBT movement. It includes a compulsory belief in the notion of man-made climate change. This fashionable creed hates Britain's identity, history and Christian past. It also hates the God-ordained family unit headed up by the man of the house. As biblical truth has been consistently diluted over many decades by this creed, so has society become increasingly hardened to the reception of the gospel. Things have changed uh, in the lifetimes of a number of us here. You see, if one goes back to the 1950s, when Billy Graham came over to lead an evangelistic crusade in this country, there was widespread general support for what he was doing, and he attracted enormous crowds. I'm not saying we agree with everything that Billy Graham said, but he generally did preach Jesus Christ, and he preached the gospel. Now, back in the 1950s, enormous crowds uh, were prepared 
to go and hear him speak. And yet, fast forward to our own time uh, and what has his son found as far as this country is concerned? He's found that countless venues across the country have been closed to him because he does not go along with the LGBT agenda. So, I hope we can see just how much this nation has changed in recent decades. There is now, amongst the general population, an open hostility to any proclamation of biblical truth. And so the attitude is, well, I don't mind what you believe, but you're not going to teach it in that building. And so we live in a society which has become hardened to the reception of the gospel. Just as men in Jeremiah's day deluded themselves that they were still being faithful to God as they rejected his word. So many today actually believe that they are Christians even though they reject much that is essential to the biblical revelation. Much contemporary Christianity, so-called, has become a mere mirror image of the trendy humanistic philosophies of secular liberalism. Many churches are nothing more than institutions promoting the spirit of the age. This man-pleasing cultural Marxism. So we, just as Jeremiah was, are faced with a whole society which is just not willing to listen to any message which contradicts the fashionable new religion of embracing diversity and saving the planet. So, referring to our text here, this verse 10, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised. And they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. That is the kind of society Jeremiah had to minister to. And that is the kind of society we have to minister to. The great majority of the people have turned from the Lord. The generality of society has rejected the word of God. It actually offends them. They find it to be a reproach or a disgrace to them to have anything to do with it. Now what also adds to the problem 
is a very important trait in human nature. Namely, that people are like sheep. People are frightened of doing anything except to follow the crowd. But if someone wants to follow the crowd, he cannot follow Jesus Christ. Matthew 7 verse 13, our Lord said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So our Lord was telling the disciples that only relatively few will follow him down the path to eternal life. You see, many prefer to be friends with the world. The true gospel is not pleasing to the unregenerate mind. The natural man, the unconverted man, needs to have his understanding illuminated by the Holy Spirit in order to receive the gospel. But many reject the Holy Spirit's gracious drawing work upon them. This is what led our Lord to say, many are called, but few are chosen. The rejection of the biblical gospel has always been the way of the majority. Many are called, but few are chosen. It is only those who respond to the gospel in repentance and faith, who are chosen by God unto everlasting life. Man, because he has a fallen nature, far more readily resists the grace of God than submits to it. Such is his folly. And so Jeremiah says of the people here in verse 10 their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken so let us know the particular way in which Jeremiah describes the people they cannot hear the truth he says because their ear is uncircumcised it is as if their ears are covered with a layer of flesh so that no sound can enter in. Now, those whom Jeremiah was addressing were physically circumcised and they set great store by that ceremony. Because they were descended from Abraham and circumcised as a mark of that descent, they were convinced that they were the true people of God. 
But they had forgotten that the circumcision in their flesh was no more than an outward sign. What they really needed was an inward circumcision. A cutting away of the corruption within their sin-loving hearts. They did not have hearts which loved the word of God. And they had ears which were deaf to the word of God. Their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. We further read in this verse 10, the word of the Lord is become unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. The people were treating God's word with contempt. They dismissed Jeremiah's warnings of coming judgment. They preferred the gentler message of the false prophets who only spoke of peace. How like our own day this is. When talk of God's anger upon sin is avoided in many churches. The very next verse in this passage, verse 11, speaks of the fury of the Lord. But very few wish to hear about such stark realities. And so it is true that our own society today has uncircumcised ears. In other words, it is generally impervious to God's truth. We are even told in this verse 10 that the people of Judah cannot hearken. They simply lack the ability to receive God's word. This is because they have so hardened themselves against God that he is now ceasing to strive with them. He is giving them up to their blindness and their deafness. We see this concept in Romans 11 and verse 8. Romans chapter 11 and verse 8. God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. So wrote Paul of his unbelieving countrymen, in his day. They do not want to hear God's word. They do not want to be chastised and disciplined by God's word. They keep rejecting God's word. But as they carry on doing that, they actually risk losing the ability to ever receive God's word. Because it is only God's grace which enables a man to hear his word in the first place. And God can remove that grace. He can remove the ability whereby someone is able to receive his word. 
Our Lord's use of parables teaches us this principle. Matthew 13 and verse 10. Matthew 13 and verse 10. The Lord's disciples ask him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. To them it is not given. Our Lord deliberately spoke in parables to prevent his stubborn and hard-hearted hearers from understanding the truth. He actually employed parables which were less direct than plain speech to obscure the truth from those who were persistently unwilling to receive it. And this was an act of judgment upon those people. Our Lord's contemporaries witnessed many of his mighty miracles but that did not change their hardened hearts. And because of this hard-heartedness, the Lord was giving them up to blindness and deafness. As we read in John chapter 12 and verse 39 and 40. John 12, 39. Therefore they could not believe because that Isaiah said, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. And so the people made themselves unworthy of receiving further truth. And God Himself hardened their hearts to make them impervious to his light. Likewise in Jeremiah's day, the Lord was making the people unable to hear because they had so much resisted the grace whereby they could have understood had they wanted to. So then, those today who keep on rejecting the Christian gospel are risking God's judicial blinding and deafening of their hearts and ears so that they are simply no longer capable of ever coming to the truth. That is the risk the persistent non-believer takes. He might reach a point where he is no longer able to believe because God withdraws his grace and hardens his heart. Paul speaks of this in Romans 1 and verse 28. Even as they refuse to have God in their knowledge, God gave them up unto a reprobate mind. God gave them up 
unto a reprobate mind, a mind that was just given over to falsehood. How urgently then hearers of the gospel must make use of their day of grace and come to Christ whilst there is opportunity. Because if they keep on rejecting the gospel, God may stop drawing them altogether so that they cannot come to faith in Christ. And is there any worse predicament than that? Simply not being able to come to faith in Christ. Now this is what is said about the people in Jeremiah's day. Their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. So the outward circumcision of the Jews was of no help to them. For there was no corresponding inward circumcision of their hearts. Similarly today, conforming to the new secular religion of our times, by holding all the appropriate politically correct attitudes, these things can help no one make his peace with God. The sinner must first be inwardly changed. He needs circumcised ears. He needs to delight in the truth. He needs a circumcised heart. The unbeliever needs his old nature to be cut away and incapacitated. Now this is all another way of saying that the sinner must be born again. To be born again is to have a circumcised heart. The old heart of corruption and pollution removed in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what it is to be born again. No one can have fellowship with God unless they are born again. And so people need the circumcision of their ears and their heart. People need the new birth. Romans 2 verse 28. Romans 2 28. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. So note there in Romans 2 how Paul's emphasis is all upon the need for an inward change. And of course all these popular Secular philosophies which take over people's minds today. They can do nothing to deal with their basic problem of their sinful heart. And so the great issue is this. Has a man repented of sin from the heart? Has he received the Holy Spirit? Has he been born again? 
That is the great issue. On the day of judgment, the Lord Jesus Christ will look upon those whom he is judging. Are you born again? Not, did you follow the fashionable ideas of your time? Does a man now love God's commandments from the heart? Does a man desire to serve God in all holiness of life? These are the signs of the new birth. Does someone delight to hear the word of God? Whether it talks of God's love or whether it talks of God's judgment. If you're born again, you will delight to hear any aspect of God's word. Now, the people of Jeremiah's day were outwardly circumcised. But as we are told here, they had uncircumcised ears, as if there were flesh over the ears opening. They refused to hear God's truth even when he was giving them the grace whereby they could hear and understand. They refused. And now, they cannot hear at all. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Here is a reminder to us in this verse 10 that a whole nation can become hardened to the truth of God. A whole nation can become contemptuous of God's word. As each day passes, people in society confirm one another in their rejection of Christian truth. As each day passes, the normality of rejecting biblical teaching becomes more and more ingrained within a nation. And this is why it is so necessary for true believers to speak out and to be sought and light wherever God has placed them before the hardening and corruption of society becomes irreversible. Now this concept here of uncircumcised ears is also to be found in the New Testament. We find it on the lips of Stephen just before his martyrdom. Stephen said to those who were about to murder him in Acts 7 and verse 51 the following words. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist 
the Holy Ghost. The great tragedy was that the Holy Ghost had been graciously drawing these wicked men to abandon their sin and to come to faith in Christ. They were given opportunity to repent by God's grace. Their uncircumcised ears could initially have been opened up. But they kept on resisting God's gracious drawing of them until they reached the point where they were utterly hardened. This teaches us then that there is an urgency about coming to Christ before one is utterly hardened, before one has these uncircumcised ears. And there's no reversal of it. People need to hear the gospel and come to Christ with urgency before the hardness of both ear and heart becomes beyond all remedy. And this is why we read earlier from Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3, verses 7 and 8, brings home to us the urgency of receiving the Christian gospel. The gospel urgently declares to all who are still resisting, today, if ye will hear God's voice, harden not your hearts. Do not delay, or else God may harden your heart, and then you will not be able to believe at all. So let us impress upon the unbeliever a real sense of urgency. Today, if ye will hear God's voice, harden not your hearts. Amen. Let us now say together another psalm. Let us turn to psalm number two. Psalm 2, which speaks to us about the supremacy of God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 2. Let us stand. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, 
and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Let us now pray together the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.